We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, supported by the City of Lancaster. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. Lancaster filmmaker Mary Haverstick may have stumbled onto the story of a lifetime, a biopic of Jerry Cobb, one of the group of women who passed the same test as the male astronauts of the Mercury 7 project in 1960. The women would never fly in space, but they were hailed throughout the nation nevertheless. But the more Haverstick talked with Cobb and explored her life, the more she realized there was a much bigger story, one that may have changed the narrative of one of the biggest moments in American history. The would-be film became a book, A Woman I Know, Female Spies, Double Identities, and a New Story of the Kennedy Assassination. Mary Haverstick is with us on The Spark today. Welcome to the program. Oh, Scott, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'll ask the question right up front. Did Lee Harvey Oswald act alone when he killed President Kennedy? I do not believe that he did. And that is my result of 12 years of research on the topic, as well as conversations with the woman I came to know. And basically, my views are now in line with the 65% of American citizens who were recently polled who agree with me that there are just too many problems with the story and that Oswald did not act alone. But And we're going to get into this, but uh, you found a lot of things, a lot of information that uh, many people over the years, and there have been so many books written, so many films about Oswald and conspiracies, but yours is still a little bit different and unique. It's very different, Scott, because basically I started to look into the women in the case. And if you really look back, the Warren Commission was all older white guys. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they certainly had a bias in who they were looking at and suspecting of problems in concert with this crime. And the fellows that were looking into it in the 1960s were not very open-minded that a woman could be an actor in that event. And so there are, and some of the researchers, many of the historians and researchers who have looked into it since have completely overlooked the ladies. So, yeah, I do believe that I'm bringing a whole new perspective in addition to the, the window that I got into this, the fabulous window from the woman I was interviewing. All right. So who was Jerry Cobb? Well, Jerry Cobb, what I thought she was, was this wonderful astronaut candidate, tried to become an astronaut before women could and was rejected, but fought for our female rights, which was an awesome, positive story. But... I found that she had tremendous overlap, biographically and otherwise, with a CIA spy named June Cobb, who grew up in her same hometowns. They had traveled the world almost in synchronicity. And I I came to believe that this overlap was just astronomically impossible to be other than something other than a double identity. And so basically, I confronted Jerry. Did she have a double identity with this June Cobb, who, by the way, has thousands 
of pages of files in the Kennedy assassination documents. That's who the spy June Cobb is. She's someone all tied up with the Kennedy assassination investigation. And so I went and confronted Jerry about being June. And what did she say? Well, here's what's chapter one of the book, A Woman I Know. It starts with that conversation and how Jerry herself placed herself at basically the scene of the crime in Dallas on the day Kennedy died. She told me an incredible story about how she was there in a twin-engine plane, had flown in to cover the event with media and cameras, but how, for some bizarre reason, they did not go in to cover the event, and then she was just desperate to get out of Dallas in the wake of the assassination, which, of course, makes zero sense. Redbird, and that's the airport. Talk about Redbird. What is Redbird, and why is that so significant? It's hugely significant. Some researchers before me who looked into the assassination were very suspicious. I mean, Oswald is rumored to have been out there at that airport. There are many strange ties at that airport. And Oswald was heading in the direction of that airport as he left Dallas. He even had a bus ticket in his pocket that could have potentially gotten him to that airport. So there are many questions before I found what I found about Redbird. What I learned about Redbird Airport was that it was a little executive airport where private planes would come in, just like what Jerry Cobb flew. And of course, Jerry told me the story in Chapter 1 where she was trying to get out of there before Air Force One took off. That would have shut down the airspace when Air Force One took off, and she, for some incredible reason, needed to get out of there. But unfortunately, she was waiting for something. And when she told me that story, I could think of nothing other than a getaway flight. I mean, what was she trying to escape that day in Dallas? What was she doing in Dallas in the first place? She claimed, now keep in mind, this is a conversation where I've been working with her to tell her story in a film for two years, and I am there to confront her about a possible double identity. I'm saying to her, hey, wait a minute, Jerry, look at this other woman, June Cobb, and look how many similarities in your life, you know, to her. Were you June Cobb or were you not? She denied being June. So I'm already in a weird conversation where I'm confronting the woman I know about this possible double identity. But in that confrontation, she admitted, while denying being June, she admitted to being in Dallas on the day Kennedy died and trying to get the heck out of there. And and the whole story of being with journalists from Life magazine. Sure. It sounds too hard to believe her story that they didn't go into downtown Dallas. They didn't go to Dealey Plaza when they had heard that the president had been shot. You're absolutely right. Her story was that she went in with a crew of photographers and presumably reporters, a small crew, and that they had gone to cover the event, but that her crew had been canceled. That was her word for it. Uh, because life had another crew there. Now, that wound up being a lie, Scott, because I knew through my research that life had zero crews on the site. Had they had a crew, well, you and I, having worked in media, know that it would have been the story of their lifetime to cover that. But her claim was that they got into Dallas, they were told they were canceled, and even after they heard the president was shot and dead, they just continued to try to get the heck out of there under incredible pressure pressure to get out. I mean, she was desperate to get out of there. So how much of this can you document? 
Well, I can tell you this. I worked with her for 10, 12 years. I mean, I have zero documentation that can sit here and say, well, here's this landing ticket at Redbird or something like that. But I can tell you that the story she told me over her lifetime, so much was always corroborated, right? She would, you know, there were pictures of her at Los Alamos nuclear plant. She she met presidents. I mean, she met many celebrities. The, st- the story she told me, you know, 98% of them I could document. So there's no reason to think that this singular story, which carried so much emotion. I mean, you've interviewed people, right? You know that when somebody comes in and they're highly charged with their emotional experience, it's very visceral if they've been through a trauma or an event. I've spent you know, 30, 40 years now interviewing people as well. And I don't think I've ever heard a conversation as emotionally charged as what she told me about her flight out of Redbird. But at the same time, over those 10 to 12 years that you did talk to her, I don't know whether coy is the word, but she wasn't very forthcoming. She always kind of had you on a string as to, now this is what's described in the book, as to how much she was going to tell you. Well, in that first conversation in chapter one, you know, she was the one who described to me what a CIA secrecy agreement entails. And she said... I said, well, if an aide, like if you were June Cobb, I said to her, you, you couldn't tell me because you'd be under a secrecy agreement, right? And she said, well, you know, an agent can tell you a lot about their life, just not what they did on operations. So I felt when she said that to me, that was a tacit admission that, you know, she was under such an agreement and she could tell me a lot. She just couldn't tell me the specifics of operations. But you said there was a word you used. You said Oswald was rumored to be on his way to Redbird Airport. That's what so many things over the years that it is hard to prove. Very. I mean, Oswald, now you go into great detail about Oswald's movements on November 22nd. Changed buses a couple times, but didn't actually get to that airport. Absolutely not, because, you know, he got in a confrontation with Officer Tippett, shot a police officer. Now everybody is after him. You know, the police officer had pulled over to try to talk to him, and Oswald reacted by shooting the guy and then, you know, exiting on foot. So there was a manhunt, obviously, that ensued. Um, So, yeah, I think my window into this really didn't come from Lee Harvey Oswald, of whom there's a lot of questions. I'm bringing new information to this case, right? I'm saying, hey, not only the story that Jerry told me about Dallas that day, but let's take a look at June Cobb, who, by the way, the alter ego that I was saying, are you June Cobb, Jerry? The alter ego had a whole lot of tentacles to Lee Harvey Oswald. So if Jerry was sitting there in that plane and was June Cobb, which, by the way, I found a witness confirming that Jerry did use that name, at that point, it's really radioactive, Scott that she's at that airport, right? It's a real problem because the whole reason to have double identities is to split things. If I'm sitting here, right, and you don't know that my alter ego has a stash of ammunition and knows a lot of criminals, and I'm just sitting here as Mary Haverstick, the filmmaker, I seem very innocent. But if you know my alter ego has this whole other life going on, I become a real problem, right? Double identities are used in the criminal world and in the covert world to carve away bad deeds, That's the whole purpose of having a double identity. Mary, I've seen you uh, interviewed about the book where you said there is a lot to unwrap here. It is a complicated story. So we'll try to take it step by step. But let's talk a little bit about June Cobb 
and Jerry Cobb. Okay, it's very strange that they have the same last name. I shouldn't say that part is strange. But the more you looked into these two women, if it indeed it was two different women, uh, you found a lot of similarities in their biographies. But then you went as far as mapping out places they were, things they were doing at certain times. Tell us about the first of all the biographies and then mapping out the uh, the time frame well it was just astronomically impossible that two women born in the you know late 20s or early 30s in the 1950s would have gone from their small town in Oklahoma to this remote area of the Amazon jungle and contacted tribes when basically no white people or hardly any white people had ever been they there they both said they were doing that and they both right. were aviators that's right? proven that they, and well June claims she was in aviation, but Jerry's the flyer. So June's already in the similar aviation circles. Then they move to Cuba, where June is targeting spying on Fidel Castro, and Jerry Cobb is island hopping and popping in and out of Cuba at the same time. So they're basically shadowing each other's travels geographically, not just for a short period of time, but decades as I map them out in the timeline. So yeah, they were overlapping in tremendous ways. You call it checkerboarding. Checkerboarding is when one would disappear. Like June Cobb might say she's in a hospital recovering from a terrible blood illness from a jungle disease, which Jerry also has, by the way, a similar disease. And then, you know, Jerry would be active and then Jerry would disappear for a root canal and then June would appear on my timeline. So they were alternating as far as who was active and who wasn't. So, bottom line, do you think Jerry and June Cobb were the same person? I do not, because I believe there is actually a woman named June Cobb, and there's actually a woman named Jerry Cobb. I believe the woman I know as Jerry Cobb borrowed other names for her spy operations, and one of the many names she used was June Cobb. Were they both in the CIA? Yes, both were in the That's CIA. That's my belief. Now, I cannot like sit here and absolutely prove that. That's going to be a very difficult proof because they have backstopped. If you're a CIA agent, you have to be ready for the KGB to look into your background, and they better not be able to find that you're a CIA agent. So it's very, very hard to absolutely nail this down. I think the point in the book where I nail it very <laughs> strongly is when I found a witness who knew June Cobb when she was in the CIA, and that witness identified a photograph of Jerry Cobb as the person she knew. Now, just to let our audience know, this is not a lot of conjecture on her part, even though there is a lot of conjecture in the book, because you have to. You have to speculate on some things. But you did a lot of research, probably more research than anyone has ever done on on Jerry Cobb, yep. at least, and June Cobb. Where did it come from? Well, well, I'll tell you right now. June Cobb is fascinating, and she should have been looked at by historians long before I was taking a deep dive on her. Because June Cobb, as I found out, was involved very heavily in the operations that were to assassinate Fidel Castro. Our country was trying to get rid of Castro at one point. And June Cobb winds up in chapter. Chapter 7 of my book, I detail how June was central. She was the agent, the CIA agent, who knew the assassin. She was working directly with him that we were enlisting, the CIA and USA, was enlisting to kill Castro. Now, 
who oh. is unidentified, right? No, his name is Juan Orta, and he is well known. This is like on Wikipedia and everywhere. Oh, he is okay. a known guy. Okay. So they've even the CIA has even acknowledged in congressional testimonies that Juan Orta was yes the guy we were mobilizing. But what the CIA said in their congressional testimonies was that oh the mobsters that we enlisted to help us they knew Juan Orta. Well, I prove in my book that it was June Cobb who knew Juan Orta very very well and was making deliveries to Juan Orta at the time the poison pills were on the very day that the poison pills were going into Orta to kill Castro. It was June Cobb who sent the package to to Havana to Juan Orta. So I got to tell you, and I, I have her working for the head of our assassination program. So this June Cobb should have been looked at long ago. She was hip deep in America's assassination program. So Mexico City seems to be a, a, a central... I don't, if there was any plot, it's, a lot of it came from Mexico City. And talk about June Cobb and Oswald. Well, June Cobb was located in Mexico City. After she got off the Castro beat, she was sent down to Mexico City in the lead-in to the Kennedy assassination. And Oswald, of course, made his most mysterious trip down to Mexico City. And where I really linked June Cobb to Oswald in my book is in Chapter 4, where we discuss a woman who had spotted Oswald. And let's just say she spotted Oswald in Mexico City where he shouldn't have been with some people he shouldn't have been with, namely Cuban communists. And after, when the Warren Commission was looking into this, who arrived on that witness's doorstep but June Cobb? She arrived not to help that witness get that information to America. She arrived and basically ran interference to keep that information off the, the roles of the FBI and others. She tried to steer that witness elsewhere, and she ultimately harassed that witness in a in, in a way that the witness described as, you know, first maiming her cat. And then when the later investigations happened in the 70s, I found documents in Princeton Library from the witness where June Cobb was still harassing her in the 70s in a way that would basically scare anyone from wanting to come forward as a witness. So June Cobb was not a good actor. Maiming her cat? That's exactly right. Uh, evidently, the witness wanted to go talk to the authorities and went on her own against June Cobb's wishes. And when she came back, she found her cat's legs were broken and ribs smashed was her description. And, you know, figured Cobb was the perpetrator and kicked June Cobb out of her house. Uh, now, that story was blown off by many who've looked into it. But I think we've come to know over the years that people who harm cats and animals, right, are dangerous people, right? People who have no inhibition about that, have no inhibition about other things. And so I personally think that story also should have been brought forward much earlier as a very troubling story. So as we get into the book, we look at the CIA. Was the CIA involved in the assassination of President Kennedy? I do not think the CIA as an overarching organization was. It would be the same thing as, you know, a small rogue group of people can do very bad things. 
And that doesn't impugn the entire organization. We have many people in our country who fought and you know, served our country well in the CIA. But yes, I do believe a small, rogue, unaccountable group, meaning perhaps less than six people, uh, less than half a dozen, who were involved in foreign assassinations, uh, the capability we were developing, and they had that capability, that that rogue group took matters into their own hands. Who was the babushka lady? The babushka should have been looked into long ago as well. She's a woman in a trench coat and a headscarf, never further identified to anyone's satisfaction, who was 33 feet away from President Kennedy, aiming a camera at him in the moment he was fatally struck. This woman walked away. No one knows for sure who she was, and her footage was never found. And I have proposed in Chapter 10 of my book that this woman should have been looked into. Well, in you you show in your book and even on your website, I, I've yep. seen how, as a filmmaker, you've you know, used some technology uh, to show her movements. Yes. Looks like she was shooting a camera. The babushka has a large film camera, which I, a, a decent-sized film camera. I believe it could be a Bolex 16 millimeter from the era. I have a Bolex. And she panned away from the shot of Kennedy and Jackie coming towards her in the limo to set her aim at a shot into which the back of the president's head would later arrive. When the he- president's head arrived into her view, that is when he was struck with the fatal shot. And I propose in my book, if we're looking to the grassy knoll and the Daltex building and we're looking for other shooters, I do believe the babushka should be considered. We only have about 30 seconds left. Fascinating story. But a lot of people will read this, hear this and say, okay, this is just too wild to be true. I totally would have been in these same people's camp before I got into this story. I was with them 100%. This would have sounded wild to me, too. 12 years of research has told me otherwise. And there is a lot more that we didn't get to today, but uh, Mary Haverstick, the, uh, the book is A Woman I Know, Female Spies, Double Identities, and a New Story of the Kennedy Assassination. Thank you very much for being with us today. It was fun, Scott.